Kei ngā tanewha hikurō te motu ka punipuni mai. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei e mihi atu nei ki a koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all Aotearoa. E tarawake nei. Why are so many whānau struggling to keep their kids in school? At the end of the day, you can have 60 referrals on your dashboard and not one of them is an easy fix. We're on the road with Waipareira truancy officers. A lot of the alfanos won't even engage with the school. I'm going in because I'm not the school. And the reasons may surprise you. This is going to be miserable. <laughs> There's so much more happening for these families. It's not one group that's going to support them to be re-engaged again. It's schools have to come together. Then we speak to the Minister for Social Development, Carmel Sepuloni. The National Party leader, Christopher Luxon, claims up to 55% of school students are chronically truant. That's about 100,000 children. Mr Luxon also alleges these figures are a major contributor to ram raids and has sent a message to parents to lay down boundaries, get up in the morning and get their kids to school. So just how many students are missing from school? Are their parents really just sleeping in? We wanted to find out, so the hui went door-to-door -door with a Waipareira Trust truancy officer to see for ourselves. And a note, we've chosen not to identify the whānau involved in this story to protect their privacy. Anei te pūrongo. This is how te whānau or Waipareira starts each day. On a wing, a waiata and a prayer. We've got mental health mentors, whānau order navigators, kainga order specialists and truancy officers. It's a team approach to community solutions. Today we're riding with Kimmy from the truancy team. I've got parents on my referrals that are illiterate, that finished school when they were 12. School wasn't a big deal for them, so why should it be for their kids? Kimi is a special kind of wahine. He says to me, can I call you auntie? There's this 13 blonde, blue-eyed Pākehā boy <laughs> asking if he, I can let him call me auntie for, for his birthday. And I says to him, you know, uh, on a professional scale, that would be a no. I says, but uh, between you and me, thumbs up. <laughs> so he gave me a big hug and ran to class. Every day she's working on Auckland's North Shore, trying to get kids back into school. The whole idea is to find out what could be causing the truancy. It's always assumed that it is the, the child or it's the parent. But in actual fact, it can be, there could be a lot of underlying reasons why um, truancy happens or there's attendance issues. Those reasons are often complex and there's no quick fix. At the end of the day, you can have 60 referrals on your dashboard and not one of them is an easy fix. Our whole goal is to keep it out of OT and, and the police's hands. That is our whole goal. But time or government contracts are not on her side. As a attendance advisor, I only have 20 days on a referral. I've never done it in 20 days. When you look at it, it can take 10 days to engage. You mean 20 days paid? Yes. 
So are there really 100,000 truants in Aotearoa? The short answer is no. In 2020, Stats New Zealand found that it's just under 20,000 New Zealand students had been excluded, suspended, expelled or stood down. And in all of those areas, Māori are overrepresented. For example, in suspensions alone, Māori make up 52%. I've gone to homes that are, you know, three, four storeys with five car garages and very nice cars sitting outside and dealt with them just as I've gone into a home where the struggles are very real. Today is what we call home visit cold call days. We are meeting a former Long Bay college student. He's feeling like a bit of a failure and he wants to support mum because he's the older brother and mum's single mum. We're calling him Master Jay. He had a scuffle with another student. There were no fists thrown, it was just pushing here and there. He was disrespectful in class, being noisy, and he had lied to the principal. The thing to remember is Master Jay has ADHD. The school were aware of this. He was unmedicated. All of these things should have been taken into account. But instead the school referred him directly to alternative yes. school. And how did he go there? Not well. Terrible. So what did he do? What got him into trouble at alternative school and what was the reason? Well, it, it happened from day one. He arrived at school with a knife, a weapon in his bag, and it sort of went downhill from there. Why did he do that? What did he say to you? He was scared. He was scared. But today, he has one last chance. Another school has offered to meet him. The hope is that we can engage with these whānau today and get a plan put in place. It's been five months since he's been in school, so the stakes are high. But Mum still has hope. He's got so much catching up to do, but I'm, I'm really proud that he's actually doing it. Really proud. <laughs> How is it having a child that you're having to find a school for? That must be really tough. Yes, it is tough. He's a good kid underneath it all. Um, he struggles with his learning and unfortunately hasn't had enough support with it. Not enough things put in place to help him with his anxiety as well. But we're hoping to, to get it right this time. The issue of truancy has become a hot political topic with the leader of the National Party weighing in. The responsibility of a parent is to make sure that your kid has opportunities that you didn't have. And education is the way in which you get from bad circumstances to better circumstances. And so we're asking for just enforce some consequences and actually make sure you know where your young person is and that you're actually getting them to school. You know, that, that's a responsibility of parent. You chose to have the children. You need to be able to make sure that you get them to school. But for some parents, it's not that simple. Down the road, we visit Miss G's house, and Mum invites us into a cold, damp kainga home. Look up here, love. This is because the roof leaks. Oh, it's shocking. It's just going to be miserable. <laughs> We're going to get through this, Taylor. So like I said, we've got the right person, all right? So now, you know, Te Whanau is going to follow it up, so I've... You know, I did that referral. Yeah. And they're just going to follow it through now. Yeah. I'll take some yeah. pictures to show them that there's been no change. Today, it's not just Miss G that's absent from school. All four siblings have been homesick for two weeks. It's heartbreaking to see the kids 
still having to stay home and you yeah. guys still living in your lounge. Yeah, yeah. and we're getting frustrated now because we're so squashed in here. Yeah, we're feeling claustrophobic. You know, we're using our dining room as a bedroom. Like many of Kimmy's families, truancy is a byproduct of the challenges they face. They live in a crying order home and I've been trying so hard to get help for the state it's in. And so they're finally going to go in and inspect it. So hopefully the kids can stop getting sick. The constant sore throats, yeah. lovely, yeah. I think. Um, when I spoke to the asbestos specialist, they said to me, she said, your least worry actually is the asbestos. She said, your mm. main concern is that black mould. Yeah. She said, if that gets into your throat and that'll be causing spores in your throat and all sorts. And I wonder, well, maybe that's why we're always waking. We've always got sore throats. Yeah. They hardly sleep at night because it's so cold. Tell me about what's happened with Miss G. So, Miss G has finally come to embrace who she is, that she's gay. And uh, rather than the school call me, she was put in a room for about three hours because she dyed her hair red. And, and there are rules, firm rules in place in regards to uniform, but there are ways that you can deal with it, knowing mum's unwell. Waipareira Program Director Jackie Hardima oversees the truancy team. There's so much more happening for these families. You know, the impacts of COVID, the econ social economic, um, it's, and it's not one group that's going to support them to be re-engaged again. It's schools have to come together. She sees greater collaboration across ministries is what's required. Different ministries have to come together. Ministry of Social Development um, needs to be able to identify who these you know, young people are to support them. We actually need a a whole um, government approach to this because in the next five to ten years these young people will really be disengaged from and will be then creating havoc. It takes special people to deal with truancy, a role Kimmy believes needs to be approached with empathy and patience. A lot of the Alfanos won't even engage with the school. So in this case they won't answer any calls from the school, any emails from the school. So my hope is that I'm going in because I'm not the school and see that use me to help you for a better path forward, so yeah. And the response from these families is positive. She's fantastic. Um, she talks to them as if, as if they matter, which after all he went through with his last school, he was really given the impression he doesn't matter. And she really, yeah, she's amazing, absolutely amazing. But Kimmy and her team might be out of a job next month. The Ministry of Education is looking to redesign truancy and put resourcing back into schools. In the meantime, she'll keep knocking on doors and trying to give Fano the help they need. The majority of the parents that myself and my colleagues deal with genuinely want their children at school, but they're battling so many different things. Let's not forget that survival, putting the next a kai on their table, putting shoes and expensive uniforms on their children. If they can't do it, they're not going to send their children to school. When a house is happy, a home is happy, and, and their tamariki feels safe, there's room for hope. After the break, I speak to the Minister for Social Development, Carmel Sepuloni.
Aoraki Mai Anno. Here now to discuss the latest in the social development portfolio, including emergency housing, I'm joined by its Minister Carmel Sepuloni. Tenakwe. Tenakwe. Just uh, after the weekend, what's your take on the local government election results? Um, some surprises, some disappointments. Uh, it is what it is, uh, and now you know I'm sure that they're all going to be focused on getting on and doing the job. Do you think the party got behind the likes of Afisal Collins and the other Labour-endorsed candidates enough? Oh, we certainly uh, did, and uh, I think we saw some really good results, but obviously some really disappointing ones, including uh, FSL not winning the mayoralty. Mm. We just watched um, the story on truancy, and I wondered if we could just uh, just pause on that. So we heard from the Waipareta truancy officers that they're dealing with multiple issues, not just getting the kids to school. There's housing and there's addictions and mental health, and I, and I know that it's not your portfolio, but they did talk about um, you know, a whole government approach. How is MSD working with uh, the other providers you know, to deal with truants and their families? In a range of different ways. It is cross-agency because, as you said, um, many of the kids that are truant from school are faced with other social issues within the home. And so uh, there are often a range of government agencies and social service providers that are working with the whanau uh, to try and resolve some of those issues. Yeah, does it make sense, um, you know, for your agency to know which families are dealing with these issues as well? Oh, it does, and, and many of the times they, they do know, um, but I also need to acknowledge the schools, many of them working hard with these whānau too. Uh, they often know their families um, better than anyone else because they've got an intimate understanding of what is going on with the whānau, and they're working hard with the truancy services and others uh, to get in there and try and support the whānau. What we know is that there has been an attendance decline since 2015, so it's not new. Uh, probably exacerbated a bit because of COVID, uh, but there certainly is work underway, a $20 million announcement from the government recently mm. uh, to support schools, to help children to catch up where they've got behind because of COVID and for other reasons and to help with re-engagement. Mm. Uh, let's move on to emergency housing. We currently have uh, well, we, we had an immunisation programme a little while ago and we had some community providers there who told us that, you know, there were 10,000 people living in emergency housing, 4,500 of them are tamariki. Um, how much is it costing the taxpayer a year? It's costing a lot. Uh, and, I mean, the reality is that we inherited a housing crisis mm -hmm. and there's not enough houses to meet the demand. In the interim, it's important that we provide some form of housing to people that are homeless, which is why we have emergency accommodation. As a government, uh, we've stepped up the case management and stepped up the intensive uh, wraparound support for those that are in emergency accommodation. Uh, the ultimate is to not need it, but we're not in that place yet. Mm. So One News obtained some figures for five of the highest earning motels and found last year that those five received $26 million in taxpayer funding. You know, this government, as you say, inherited a housing crisis, crisis no one's um, denying that, but is spending $26 million on just five motels the best use of money? We wish we didn't have to do that, uh, but we're still in a situation where we're working hard to build the houses. Uh, we're seeing results in some areas, like Hastings, where uh, we've had a decline in the use of emergency uh, housing because we have invested in the houses that are needed. Uh, we're seeing a decline in other areas as well, and we just need to keep our eye on the ball, and that is building houses. 10,000 new public houses built under our government, and more to come. Yes, 
What, would it be an option to just buy these places? Would it be cheaper to just purchase the motels? We have done that in some instances. Um, we've How also, uh, I can't remember the number of motels that have been purchased off but the top of my when head. When you're paying five, 26 million bucks, wouldn't you just want to buy them? Oh, it's, it's not just about buying them. In some instances, we have contracted the motels so that we can uh, make sure that when we put people into accommodation that we're very purposeful about who is going in there, whānau with whānau. Uh, and so there's a range of things that are underway. Uh, Rotorua has a new mayor in Tania Tapsall. Um, she fronted the media yesterday and she's got a message for the government. She makes a very fair point. She says that while the government is demanding healthy home standards from landlords, it's not providing healthy or safe homes for people living in emergency um, housing. Has she got a point? Oh, well, you know... For instance, MSD uh, doesn't have responsibility for the quality of motel accommodation. That's a regulation that happens at the council level. Uh, but whilst we have people Is that... Is that a cop-out, though? Because you are, you are going to landlords saying you must bring your houses up to this certain standard. But then on the other hand, mm. you're putting people into accommodation that's unsafe and not healthy. I think this is why it's important that we've taken the approach that we have taken, uh, where government is working with the council there, has been working with iwi, uh, with the social services and, and housing providers to be able to try and resolve the situation there. We've seen a decline in the number of people who have been going into emergency accommodation in and we want to see that decline continue. Yet 400 families have now been living in motels for between one to two years. So this is not a short-term solution. It's mm. growing. And as Mia Tatsos points out, that uh, motels are consented to provide accommodation for just 20 days. And that's probably because you can't really live in a motel for, uh, for longer no, than a month no. because it's not fit for purpose. And no so, one wants it, Mahi. So, so if you were to purchase some of those motels, just say purchasing some of those ones down in Fen on Fenton Street, couldn't you repurpose them? Couldn't you put in the kitchen units, knock out one of the walls, make it a bit bigger so the mums and the kids aren't the sleeping actual together? Better plan is to build the public housing obviously, that we need. Obviously, yeah. I, no so, one disagrees with you, but we've only built 10,000 houses and the promise was 100,000, so 10,000. we've 000. got houses underway in Rotorua as well, uh, as but I in said. in the meantime, in the meantime, because, these, because we saw in that Sunday investigation the, the crisis that's happening for some of these mamas. One of the mamas said she had her baby in the car. Oh, look, and no one wants to see that, Mahi, and we continue to focus on building the houses, need to continue to work with the council, uh, and, and we look forward to working with the new mayor on this too, uh, and continue working with iwi. The fact that we've seen a decline is promising uh, and that shows that some of the efforts that we're putting in are working and we just need to continue on that track. Some of uh, Rotorua has also said that they want their city back and they're talking about, um, you know, the strip that used to be the Golden Mile they talk about, but it's now um, MSD strip, they call it. Is there a, you know, is it better to to space out emergency housing so that it's not just centred in one place? I think place. that's a good point, and that's one of the conversations that's being had uh, with council and with others. Are there other uh, motels that yeah. would be more suitable that perhaps aren't on that strip? And that's one of the discussions that's being had. Because, because in Rotorua, you've got 1.5% of the population... At, yet they have 10% of emergency housing, and it feels a bit unfair. I wondered, is there an opportunity to put some emergency housing into the motels in St Heliers or mm. Oriental Bay? or? I think if Rimueta? we look at Rotorua, we do need to keep in mind this too, Mahi, is that 
The houses haven't been built. The population has increased by about 9,000 people, I think, since 2013. Uh, when we uh, came into government, there were 100 or 144 or 44 uh, fewer uh, public houses than what there was when they had started out. And so Absolutely. we've got to focus on building. Uh, I've seen the build that's going on around the country, even in West Auckland. You know, I've been to openings recently where Farno will actually have secure, stable housing, and that's a work in progress and that's what we need to do. Yep, the key is building houses. Uh, let's talk about your portfolio and, and benefits because when I think you came on here and you announced the first sanction that was to be dropped and that's when mums had to name the fathers of their children and that went under you and, yeah. you, and you committed to um, dropping many more sanctions. So where are you at now? How many? So we did repeal section 192. Uh, we also then went on to um, get rid of the subsequent child policy. Uh, but section 192 affected like 24,000 children. Mm. Uh, I think uh, over 40,000 for the subsequent child policy. Uh, so those are two of the sanctions that have gone under us. Um, and then there's other work underway. There's been benefit increases. We're in the process of uh, child support pass on to people that are on the sole parent benefit. There's the working for families review. There's the child care assistance review. There's, there's a lot happening and there's a lot that's been done but will never uh, resolve from the fact that there's more to do. There was um, a slight, uh, there was some optimism on Friday when you announced, you and the Prime Minister announced that, um, you, um, that I think it was the poverty report and there was um, less people living in hardship. Do you think that's, you know, to do with the sanctions and the benefits? That's the certainly um, part of it, but at the same time, it is things like lifting the minimum wage as well. It also is things like food in schools, uh, period products, mm. all of those things make a difference to uh, child poverty numbers and hardship uh, realities for people in Aotearoa. I just want to touch on uh, your portfolio, Arts, Culture and Heritage. I want to understand why funding for Te Matatini, the Māori Performing Arts, hasn't changed um, dr drastically under your government despite the overwhelming evidence. So 2.9 million goes to Matatini compared with 8.1 for the ballet and 19.7 million for the the orchestra. Why is that? I certainly think there's more discussions to be had here and I know that they're ongoing with the lead minister, Kiritapu Allen. Uh, but what I will point to too is that we've almost doubled the amount of funding that's going from Creative New Zealand to Tuimari. Uh, with the COVID response, we had a particular focus on Matauranga Māori. Um, we've seen How them... come they haven't got any more money then? If you're, if you're pouring all of this money into Creative New Zealand and the rest of it, why is Te Matatini, who contributes $15 million to regional economy, has 2,000 performers and um, 40,000 spectators, not getting what they deserve. I think, as I said, those are discussions that we're certainly in, in the midst of having. You guys aren't first term. I, no, but in our first term, I will say I had responsibility for Matatini as the Associate Minister for Arts, Culture and Heritage. And during those conversations, it wasn't that the leaders within the organisation wanted more funding from government. Now, that has changed, and so we're responding to that and in discussions with them on that. It's estimated, there was a report done, it's estimated that the unpaid hours of training and the rest of it is 24 million. Do you think you'll get there? I don't know if we'll get there, but we certainly do value what Matatini has to offer Aotearoa, uh, and including the, the well-being of those that participate and get to be part of the audience um, because of Matatini, and so we certainly are in discussions. Tēnā koe, tēnā koe Thank you so much. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh,
Araki mai anō. Hei whakakapi i tā tātou hui, anei tetehi waiata, hei kinaki i ngā kaupapa. We leave you tonight with the remake of the classic Moana Maniopoto in the tribe anthem, A E I O U, remix by Tikitāne, and featuring Ria Hall, Shay Milne, Masbo Q and Georgia Lyons. Nō hōra mai rā.
nā te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.